0: You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Winfield. Back to throw Tua looking. Clips it down, the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill!
1: Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away?
2: The I would hit of that man
1: to help you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle. Waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking steps up. Fires.
2: Touchdown! You it. It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown, six touchdown pass of, of the
0: game. game. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. We check your pulse if you're not fired up.
1: What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going everybody? I am your host Travis Wingfield and on today's show we are dropping by the defensive back room. Corners and safeties go under the microscope today for the training camp preview series with practice now just two days away. Plus we'll hear from Dolphins standout rookie in 2022 entering his sophomore year, Cater Kohu, all of that and more from the Baptist Health Training Complex or the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off with my walk
0: and talk with Dolphins cornerback Cater Kohu. What's up guys Travis Wingfield here again for 100 yards with Dolphins cornerback Cater Kohu. Go ahead and start moving down the field here Cater. Out here at this practice field all I can think about for you is you know going back to this time last year you're a rookie trying to find your way. You have an awesome rookie season now here you are going into year number two. Have you had a chance to kind of like look back and reflect on where you've been this last year?
2: Nah, most definitely it's surprising because I mean just coming from the Level I came from, it's, it's hard to make it to the NFL. No matter how good you think you are, it's always going to be hard. So just reflecting on that and just seeing that I made my dream happen is crazy.
0: Yeah, your dream coming yeah. true is awesome. And yes, one of those things is, I'm sure, going up against a guy like Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And I'm wondering – You know, again, coming out here for last spring, right? Yeah. Rookie mini camps, whatever it might have been, OTAs. Did you have a moment where it was like, okay, this is the NFL. This ain't Texas A M Commerce no more. Yeah.
2: Nah, most definitely. When I saw uh, we did rookie minicamp, and then we came in that Monday, I saw him in the locker room and stuff. I was like, damn, that's really Tyree Hill. (laughs) But then you kind of have to just let that go for a little bit because you are trying to earn a spot. So you just have to go out there and just compete just against him like he's everybody else.
0: Because fast forward a few months later, you're starting a playoff game for the Miami Dolphins, making plays. Do you think about that? About how far you came in that process?
2: Nah, most definitely. I feel like uh, when I was here for OTAs, uh, that, rookie, that rookie season, I was like, kind of drowned in water. Like, everything was yeah. like, moving a little too fast and stuff. And then we took that month off. I went home, kind of regrouped, and then came back. And, but nah, that was crazy, though, starting the playoff game, going from watching it on TV to actually playing in
0: it. If you had to give a piece of advice to an undrafted rookie, what would it be? Uh,
2: just compete, uh, do all the low things, right? Uh, you know, you're already undrafted, so you don't have, really have room to, like, on stuff like being late not knowing your playbook and stuff like that,
0: most Get, definitely. Getting to know Coach Crossman too, right? You yeah. special teams Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
2: oh, God, yeah, special teams. Big. Absolutely.
0: So you play with uh, under cornerback coach Sam Madison. Mm-hmm. I don't know, he's royalty around here. What's it yeah. he been like
2: learning under him? Nah, Sam, I feel like he's, he's a big part of my success, like not even just from the coach's standpoint, but like him just being kind of like a mentor. He's always hyped me up like before games, before plays, and you know he played the position, so listening to anything he has to say is like is like golden.
0: Gotta gotta have that. So you're number two here. You you look upon you know rookie year, great year for you, obviously great year for the team. What are your goals heading into the second season for yourself and for the team? Uh,
2: I think I'd be setting myself short if I say we're not trying to win the Super Bowl with that much the talent that we have on the team. I think that's like a team goal. But for me, just you know building on what I did my first year and then correcting like a lot of mistakes. uh, Me personally, like I feel like I had a lot of penalties and stuff. So Mm -hmm. limiting that and just making a lot more plays, getting like more interceptions
0: uh stuff like that was it pretty neat to pick off aaron Rodgers in the end zone right back here yeah most definitely yeah On christmas day too. yeah exactly a uh, christmas what, gift did your family talk about that at all with you like what was that conversation like uh, you talked to your family after the pick
2: i don't lie. Well, i don't think my parents even know who aaron Rodgers is so <laughs> it was more so like conversation i had with like friends yeah. and stuff like that but yeah
0: that's good stuff so yeah. you're number two here new defensive coordinator vic fangio you talk about sam asman being a legend vic's mm-hmm. a legend of his own yeah. right what's it been like kind of getting to know him and his new defense here
2: uh, the defense is going to be fun. It's exciting. Like, we, we all uh, have eyes on the ball and stuff like that. And just learning from a guy, I feel like everywhere he's been, like, his defense has been, like, in the top five. So hopefully that's what we can do here.
0: We're getting close to the end zone here. Yeah, hopefully one of your picks this year goes back for six. If yeah. you do, have you got a celebration plan for us?
2: Uh, not right now, <laughs> but as, the closer we get to the season, I'm going to have to come up with something. Because last year I feel like I was selling myself short with the celebrations I had. Who do
0: you think has – so we got Cheetah does the backflip. Yeah. Waddle has – that's my pick, the yeah. Waddle. I think Raheem maybe has the most underrated touchdowns yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. Who do you think has the best one on the team?
2: On the team? Uh, either Waddle. Uh, I like Javon's. It's not a, a touchdown but when he pulls the thing out. Yeah, I like that. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah.
1: Cater, I appreciate your time. Nice. Yes, sir, Cater, of go. course. And away he goes. Really fun interview there with Cater. Let's go ahead and come back on the other side. We'll do – we'll split the room in half. We'll go uh, in order of jersey number. We'll talk about the corners and safeties. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. We have two more groups to go after today. That's the Interior Defensive Line and the Specialists and we're going to go ahead and conclude the back end of the defense here with the defensive backs, and we start with the guy we just talked to, number four, Cater Kohu. You guys know what I think of Cater Kohu's game, and now he's wearing the number that I wore my entire childhood uh, all the way up through college between baseball and basketball, like a twenty like 25 combined seasons, number four, uh, which makes me like him even more. He was the sixth best tackler against the screen among corners when it comes to volume, 28 run stops, 28 plays uh, that were defensive wins against I guess it's not just runs, it's against total stops, but you you get the idea. He was sixth among all corners in that category. And it wasn't just how he got ball carriers to the ground, which is great, but he always found a way to just read out those screens. Like it showed to me his film study and preparation for understanding what pre-snap alignments and what formations and what motions most often lent themselves to screen plays because he was always playing faster than the guys reacting in front of him. And that helps him to go blow up a block and create the chance for somebody else to have a free run at the ball carrier. So if he's not making the play himself, he's usually helping somebody else make the play on the perimeter. He showed exceptional man coverage skills, change of direction. The way he played that underneath trail technique was so impressive all year. It did kind of, you know, spurn some penalties, which is one area of his game he can clean up. He talked about that in the interview. But aside from that, I don't know what you look at in this guy's game that doesn't have you pumped up because he kind of reminds me of Zach Sealer. You know, now that Zach is kind of getting that shine that he's deserved for a couple of years, in that I'm not so sure how many folks around the league are familiar with just how good he was as a rookie. He was really, really good last year. Coming into camp, you know, a UDFA just trying to make the team. But how would that banged-up cornerback room have looked last year if we didn't have Kohu playing at the level he played at? 718 yards allowed on 630 coverage snaps, playing all over the formation, going from Texas A&M Commerce to, you know, Stephon Diggs. Like, it's a major jump in competition, and he did not – back down from it at all. You'll hear this in the walk and talk, or you did hear it in the walk and talk. The the penalties is the one area that he can help clean up. Besides that, have to just be thrilled about where he is in his game right now. I think he's gonna be a staple in the secondary for a long time. Speaking of staples <clears throat> Number five, Jalen Ramsey, the only cornerback in the NFL for PFF to get a top 10 grade each the last three seasons. And frankly, I think calling him a cornerback is shortchanging his impact. He's played star, he's played the post, he's played down on the line of scrimmage, buck linebacker, slot perimeter, you name it. He can do anything. On a football field, he's one of the smartest players you'll ever see. He, we had Jordan Rodriguez on when we acquired Jalen. She talked about how it's important to challenge him and to make him feel engaged and have him be a part of the defensive install. And I think that's what Vic Fangio is going to do to a T here. I think having him, Javon Holland, and Xavier Howard, who understand passing attacks and route concepts and you know quarterback process and kind of the things they're looking for, as well as any defensive back, not just on the team but in the game makes this a dangerous as hell secondary to try to throw against. I cannot wait to see how they deploy Ramsey week to week. This is the best possible new shiny toy for Coach Fangio and the one that he could have gotten. The numbers are absurd. It's across the board. Like, we've talked about corners and tackling in this defense and Kohu's 28 run stops. Well, Ramsey had 27 last year. He had 26 in 2021. He also has... Eight picks in that time span, two years combined. He's got 72 career pass breakups with 20 picks. He never really blitzed until he got to Los Angeles. But over those three years, 57 rush attempts and 17 pressures with a couple of sacks in there as well. We know he's one of the premier shutdown corners or DBs and can match up on Travis Kelsey or you know, Christian McCaffrey, if he has to, I talked about being around one yard per coverage snap allowed as being good. Well, when you factor in his entire career, which usually rookies have a bit of a learning curve or, you know, whatever a new team, maybe 4,600 career coverage snaps for Jalen Ramsey. He's allowed 4,700 yards, like barely over one yard per snap, 58% receptions allowed nearly as many picks as touchdowns, 26 to 20. Just crazy to get Tyreek one year and then Jalen the next, Sure is fun, isn't it? Number six, Trill Williams. Back to my point about the depth of the roster offering so much upside. Trill was having an awesome camp last year before his injury. Long, physical player. He's got really good man coverage skill sets where he would just get on top of the receiver at Syracuse and smother them and and work back down the stem too. He's got to be itching to get back out there on the football field because he was, again, having a great camp before he got hurt. High upside player, and I really hope he comes back healthy and gets that chance to make an impact this year. We are just, what, five players in or four players in, and you already have, like, three guys that have been awesome at this level. Number eight, Javon Holland. People around the league buzz about this guy, and it's so easy to see why. I think the best thing you can say about a safety is that he can hold down his rules on a given snap, but then also create outside of structure to go find the ball. And to me, that's Holland's calling card. We praise Christian Wilkins, and we'll do it on tomorrow's episode, for doing just that. But for a a safety, you know, for for Christian, that results in more TFLs and more stuff at the last scrimmage. For Javon Holland to peel off of his man in coverage or floating outside of his zone because he recognizes what's going on in the backside of the formation. You go back to Oregon, his tape was littered with plays like that, where he comes off his responsibility and makes a play on the football and and changes the game that way. He had a pick six against the... Cougars in a game against Washington State a few years back that basically won the game for them and I I still haven't forgiven him for that. One of the more cerebrally sound instinctive players I've seen since I got here, really since I've been watching this game and league for, you know, so intently for the last 25 years. He can play in the post, he can hover around the line of scrimmage, he can match up inside. He's kind of like Ramsey in that way. He's blitzed 102 times in his career. 25 pressures, I think 25% is pretty damn good. 28 run stops, even from that post position so frequently last year. Remember that spy rep he had in Buffalo, bringing Josh Allen down to the ground, an open space on third down, backed up in their own zone, or their own end, I should say. Big plays just happen when number eight's involved. He also picked them off in the playoffs. Pro football focus has him with the same number of touchdowns allowed as picks in his career, five apiece. Frankly, I don't think the numbers do his tape justice. I think he's one of the best players in the game today. Number nine, Noah Igbenogany. I feel like Noah has really been on the cusp for a while here where he's shown flashes, just hasn't quite put it all together. I think that the awareness and instincts and understanding when, you know, Your rules are this, but the play went differently. So go, you know, match that guy and don't just cover grass. That's kind of the next step for him. But he, I mean, he clinched a win for the Dolphins last year with that pick against Pittsburgh. Uh, Maybe we don't make the postseason without that play. Has the physical tools, just kind of has to put it together from the mental side of things. And he's still just 23 years old. I'm excited to get a chance to watch him here in camp with a clean slate. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and do the rest of the room. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Continuing here on the defensive back preview edition of the training camp preview series here in 2023 on the Draft time podcast. And we start in the twenties here with number 20, Justin Bethel who just kept making plays last year when called upon with all those defensive back injuries. Then he'd turn around and go, you know, cover a punt and down it at the four yard line. Having Justin Bethel here is just like, I'd say a comforting feeling. You know, you're getting special teams production from him. He's proven that he's a quality depth piece in the defensive backfield as well. 102 coverage snaps were his most since 2017 with the Cardinals. And teams were just 12 of 20 with 107 yards and touchdown and a pick targeting him. That's a 70.2 passer rating. I, every time he came off the bench and, and stepped into the game, he made plays. Like it was, it was fun to watch. Number 21, Deshaun Elliott. I'm sure you've all seen the walk and talk by now an absolute character for the locker room, witty as hell, funny as all get out. He's got jokes on top of jokes. But once the whistle sounds, it becomes all business. He plays the game the way you want to see it. I was a Reds fan. My buddy Kevin Durham will appreciate this. I was a Reds fan when Griffey got traded there, and they had a player named Ryan Friel. He was like a, a utility player that got a lot of playing time because injuries happened, and he just kind of plugged in at every spot. And he would like do the Derek Jeter full-on sprint into the wall and, and jump into the stands and, and make a diving catch. It's kind of how Deshaun Elliott plays the game, pedal to the floor at all times. Have you seen his forced fumble when he went with Baltimore on Derek Henry? Yeah, the 250-pound Derrick Henry who got depleted by a 210-pound Deshaun Elliott. It tells you about the force and the uh, conviction he plays the game with. What's best is I think he's kind of a, a blend in terms of play style between both Javon and Brandon Jones and gives you tons of flexibility within those big nickel packages, three safety uh, looks on defense. And I love the idea of going into super heavy DB packages, you know, dime, half dollar, dollar, six, seven, eight defensive backs, and putting guys like Javon and Deshaun and then, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Cater Kohu at the sticks and saying, all right, it's 3rd and 19. We're going to unleash... Phillips and Chubb and, and Ogba and Wilkins at you. And then if you can complete a pass, you know, 10 yards down the field, now you have to break the tackle of four of the best tackling defensive backs in the National Football League. Just put up a wall and don't let them get past it there and get off the field on third and long. He made 20 run stops last year on 321 run defensive plays, playing the majority of his snaps in the post. It was pretty evenly split, but majority means the most. 364 versus 279 post and box. Teams have a passer rating of 89.3 when targeting him in his career, and he's got 21 pressures on 103 pass rush reps. Like Deshaun Elliott's game a lot. Number 22, Elijah Campbell, another good tackler with special teams pelts on the wall. Got some action last year in the back half of the year with all the injuries and had some ups and downs, but there's some good defensive tape there, the way he plays screens and kind of impacts passing windows in the short passing game. Uh, It's a tough secondary to crack, but I do think that Elijah Campbell Is gonna have a job somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere else. Like, it's such a deep room, but I don't think he'd have trouble finding work if he was like the last man out of the room because there's a physical skill set where. Teams need guys like him with the length and, and explosiveness he has down there. A thumper with good change of direction, which I think shows up the most on his special teams tape. PFF had him with 310 special team snaps last year. It's a core guy for you. Number 24, Cam Smith. I feel I feel as though it's getting ridiculous at this point in terms of the talent in this room. Cam Smith is a natural for the position. A fluid, easy glider with length that jumps off the practice field when you watch him. Like You can just see like, that guy looks different down there. I remember seeing him defend a hitch back in OTAs against Jalen Waddle, and it was just textbook. Inside hand jam, got depth, stay on top of the route, recognized Waddle throttling down and drove on the play, hits that back foot and makes a play on the football against one of the best receivers in the NFL. Last year, teams tried Smith 38 times and combined for just 18 completions for 211 yards. We always say like seven and a half yards per attempt for a quarterback is pretty good. Eight is really good. Seven needs to be better. So 7.5 makes sense, right? quarterbacks against cam smith last year in college where there's even more space and you know opportunity to get beat uh just 5.5 555 555 5.55 yards per attempt last year against cam smith he plays you know uh makes plays in the football seven of them compared to two touchdowns allowed he has six career picks in college plays with confidence and a bravado that shane beamer name drop told me comes from his preparation and work ethic heading into the game on Saturdays and now eventually Sundays. Number 25, Xavier Howard. To do all this raving about the roster and before we even get to X seems a little bit crazy, but you guys know the deal. The longest tenured Dolphin, all pros, pro bowls, premier guys since he came into the league in terms of taking the football away. He played through a couple of groin injuries last year that proved, I thought, his toughness and dedication to the team. Did you guys hear his episode of the fish tank? I just would love to see X get that postseason dub or maybe two or three or four this year. He deserves it. 30 career picks when you include the postseason. He is an all-time Miami Dolphin. Number 27, Keon Crossan, pressed into some duty last year on defense. It wasn't always good, but I thought the, the special team's prowess was definitely his feather in the cap. Three hundred or 435 snaps on defense last year were a career high. Um, he did have the second lowest passer rating allowed of his career, but I think a few too many penalties. That was 98.1. On special teams, 229 snaps and eight combined tackles. is pretty damn good. Number 29 Brandon Jones I think his loss had a bigger impact than was assumed by the general football cognoscenti last year his ability to d- disrupt the timing in the passing game as a rusher and hook zone dropper and the flexibility he created for the defense I thought was sorely missed like he and Javon playing interchangeable roles really gave offenses fits you know Brandon produced a forced fumble that led to our first touchdown of the year in that Patriots game then in week 3 he didn't make the play, but I thought he had an impact on it because you know he showed Blitz against Buffalo backed up in their own end, and they motioned to go pick him up, and that converts Javon Holland. To- to a one-on-one free rush off the end, and he gets that forced fumble that Miami converts into a touchdown a couple of plays later. So three games in, he was a big part of two touchdowns scored on defense. He's the most productive blitzing safety in the NFL when he's out there. 28 career pressures in three seasons. That's 179 pass rush reps. He did not surrender a touchdown last year via PFF, and he had three pass breakups, and a passer rating allowed of just 89.3, makes a ton of run stops, 47 over his first three years number 32 verone mckinley the the third just a football player man like the the athletic testing is not going to jump off the page at you but he found a way to find the football at oregon uh saw that playing time as a rookie last year and got that pick against houston as well one of the best ball hawks in college football though Uh, prior to that rookie season was in on 13 tackles on 252 snaps had two QB pressures including a hit and on uh, teams were just one for three going after him in coverage because he played that post safety role when Javon wasn't back there so almost all of his snaps in the deep post number 34 Tino Ellis he hasn't made his NFL debut yet he came in undrafted with the Saints back in 2020 before landing here he went to the USFL with the Michigan Panthers and then returned with us at the start of last camp. Uh, he was a standout at Maryland where he allowed just 53% completion on 120 career targets. Number 35, Bennett Williams, another Oregon Duck in the secondary. He played 1,772 snaps in a five-year career, first two with Illinois before going up to Oregon. Last year, he had a monster year with 24 run stops, two picks, and 72 combined tackles. Number 36, Keidren Smith. I'm sure you've seen the pick, the, the clip of him with a pick six against the number four pick in this year's draft, Anthony Richardson, back to the house uh, for that fun Wildcats defense. Emory Hunt, I think, also mentioned him as a UDFA, who he likes with a chance to crack the 53-man roster. Six foot two, 201 pounds, and there is a theme here, man, with physical good tacklers under Coach Fangio. PFF had him with the lowest missed tackle rate among corners in the SEC last year, just 7.2% on top of seven career picks and 55 run stops. That was his first year in Kentucky, first four years in college at Old Miss, uh, but 2022 by far his best season. Number 38, Ethan Bonner, might be the dark horse pick here if the team had a roster wide foot race. He clocked a four four, which was ninety-seventh percentile among safeties in that metric, although he played cornerback in college or safety in college, gonna play cornerback here. Scored a nine two four a total RAS, that's ninety second percentile of combine workouts. Uh, again, listed as a cornerback but played free safety at Stanford. Fits the position flexibility theme. And then number 40, Nick Needham. I cannot wait to see Nick get back on the field. I thought we really missed him last year, especially with all the injuries at that position. Uh, all Nick has done since coming up in 2019 is exceed expectations, really his entire football career, right? Outside as a rook, check. Hey, moving inside to the slot, no problem. Just goes out there and matches up against the likes of Keenan Allen and Cooper Cup and Tyler Boyd that year and put some great numbers up doing that in 2020. Saw his role expand to more various roles, including including a game at free safety that year in 2021 when Javon Holland was on COVID IR for a week. Just does a little bit of everything. He's good in zone, good in man, sound tackler, and can play on teams. And then number 42, Bryce Thompson, former Seattle Sea Dragon, after going undrafted to the Saints in 2021, made his NFL debut against us that year, that Monday night football game in New Orleans, left the XFL back and made a sign here. And I think it was the last day of practice OTAs uh, snagging a pick to close out spring works so That's your defensive back room. We have one more preview to go. Plus, we might have some media bells on tomorrow's podcast. I'll keep you all posted on that. But in the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Linkful NFL Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, daddy. Let's go.